Well, hello everyone, and welcome to our History Matter podcast, where we discuss on how to preserve local history across the country, and everyone's history is American history. I'm your host, Jamie Thompson, MA candidate at North Kentucky University, and today I have three amazing guests here with us, and I would like to introduce each of them. Hello, my name is Mary Allen. I'm a councilwoman for the village of New Richmond. In addition to that, I have my own genealogy research company, and I am the vice president of the Claremont County Genealogical Society. Hello, everybody. Uh, Cordell George here. I am the manager of volunteer and intern services at Cincinnati Museum Center. I also serve as an adjunct professor here at Northern Kentucky University, and uh, I would consider myself uh, amateur genealogist, if you will. My name is Greg Roberts. Uh, I'm a local historian from New Richmond, Ohio. I'm currently the vice president of the Historic Society there in New Richmond, Historic New Richmond Incorporated, and I'm one of the founding members and director for the state of Ohio for the Ohio River National Freedom Corridor. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Um, Today's topic is about oral history. For today's topic, we will be discussing the concept of oral history and how it impacts our local community and why does that matter. So the first question of the day, just a good, a fresh interaction. Um, in your own words, what is an oral history? And if any, how does this method of collecting records impact your research and your local history projects or outreach? So um, I can start. Mm-hmm. Um, When I do a research summary for a family, I start off with what the family knows. Um, As a genealogist, you use that oral history as a starting point, and it helps you validate information that you find as you do your research. Piggybacking off of what Mary said, um, absolutely, that's very important. Sometimes that may be the only resource that you have to go off of initially. And uh, you have to take that and then kind of put the pieces to the puzzle together um, to tell that full story if you can, so. Well, in many cases, oral history is all you have because there are cultures that are typically underrepresented in in what is typically taught in traditional schools. Uh, It's it's what has been written down and and what has been handed down all too often family histories, uh, oral history uh, handed down verbally through families are either discounted or ignored. And so it's important to have those stories to understand the whole breadth of history. I would like to add though, Mm -hmm. although in most cases the oral history is the exact starting point that you'd want to to use, occasionally the oral history is incorrect. Mm -hmm. So you've as you do your research and you're interacting with others, you are confirming and validating that not only the future research that you do, um, but that the original information is in fact correct. Mm-hmm. And what Mary said is so true in, yeah. in my own family. I'm, I'm of Appalachian ancestry and both sides of my family claim that they there was a Cherokee Native American princess <laughs> yes. in, in our genealogy. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't validated yet the story on the mother's side of my family, but I've done some research uh, with other family members, 
to determine where or who they thought was the Cherokee princess. Mm -hmm. And it was my great-great-grandmother who was not Cherokee. She was Irish. <laughs> yeah. I can I can relate, Greg. Uh, doing my own family's ancestry, I was able to debunk a couple family myths as well. Mm -hmm. So, and even going back to like your family lineage and where they came from and where they started off, um, I had my experience on my mom's family. They're from Sheffield, Alabama. My dad's family's from Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. So you know, compacting that history and it also depends on you know family matters, right? If you're very close to your family, some people don't have that opportunity mm -hmm. to like talk to their elders or their uh, guardians about the history of their family lineage, knowing the connections, where I came from, um, where our family traditions and ties down. Mm -hmm. So, um, and now in current times today, we see that there's a lot of holes in history. And we're so focused on whether the political party, where they stand, where the culture um, does ASPRA, um, where it comes to like finding um, the truth in some cases that kind of seem very gray. You know, um, and current times today in this country where they either banning books or taking away courses um, that they don't realize that it is part of American history. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, thank you for those amazing ideas. So in your terms, what is the oral history? Um, I absolutely agree. It's a way, it's a foundation, first of all, of mm -hmm. like finding the connections of things that we always ask about, you know? Um, going back to Sally Hemings and her journey and the, the, the unfortunate events that happened to her, but finding her, you know, descendants and learning their history, they made a big impact into their community, right? Mm -hmm. um, so seeing that effort of oral history I mean, it's an amazing tool, and it's not something that some people believe that is outside of the Western standpoint, but it's all across different cultures, including the Western standpoint, too. So uh, our next question, um, in your own experience, what benefits and complications you face recording oral history? So I want to dive down into uh, people research or community outreach that they face when it comes to uh, talking to your locals, learning their oral history, and um, try to present it in a way that people can be educated, that have the curiosity. What are the benefits and the challenges that you face working with oral history methods? I don't know that I had any challenges. Um, Negatively speaking, um, most of the history that I've done, um, I've done some history for New Richmond's Bicentennial in 2014. As a result of the research, I created an exhibit and, and actually a keepsake book. Um, but I started off with <clears throat> the individuals mm -hmm. and tried to find as much as I could about each individual. And so I spoke to family members of the identified individuals. Having been from New Richmond, I knew a little bit about oral history for the community, but I focused less on the community oral history as I did the individuals. And with that information, for example, with the exhibit, I um, researched about 60 families, and I was able, through history, 
and those stories and the factual information I found was able to build a story around what it was like at that time. And then as those families, because again, it was for an exhibit, mm -hmm. uh, as I was talking to them, I could share shareable things with each other and I was able to even extrapolate more community oral history but most of my research is on individuals um, I've done you know for an individual family and and I find out what they know about their family and then uh, I use that as a starting point it's a theory to me because I have to prove that what they have is mm -hmm. correct but when I've done community it was um, again individual history of the community, the factual history that mm -hmm. I could find, and then going back and forth, uh, trying to extrapolate whatever I could to, to come up with a community oral history. I have uh, had an experience actually recently um, doing some uh, genealogy in the over the Rhine community in mm -hmm. Cincinnati um, and trying to tell that story throughout the generations there. And uh, our project focused on more recent, so like 1990s up to now. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually found that it was difficult um, building that awareness to mm -hmm. get the community to feel that it was important because mm -hmm. it wasn't so far removed from the past. Right. It seemed like it was just yesterday. And uh, it's kind of tough when you've got less resources to work with um, and just getting people to understand that it's really important, mm -hmm. um, even though you, you might feel like, well, our family just moved out of there or something like that. You know, we didn't live there in the 60s and 70s. Uh, we, we just, you know, mm -hmm. were living there 20 years ago or something like that. Um, it's kind of, it can be a challenge to get them to feel how important that is and, and that their voices matter and that and that they can help um, kind of paint that picture. Right, right. It's like um, with, with everything that's going on today, everybody's distracted, right? Mm -hmm. And when people hear the term history just pop in their head, they're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's going to be boring. It's going to take a long time. They're, they feel like they're in school again or they have to do like an or exam. And right. we have to remind people um, that it's it's not that. It's actually supposed to be something that's inspirational, that's oh, powerful, yeah. that is uh, something that you should be proud of. And, share, and relatable. You know, relatable, mm -hmm. you know, in all sense. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, there's some stories that haven't been told that could have fix current problems today, you, you know, and, and solve issues that, you know, haven't been discussed. I think especially in ethnic neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll specifically say in African-American neighborhoods, they don't, the history has never been valued mm -hmm. in many cases. Mm -hmm. And again, when people hear history, they think dates, they just think a bunch of facts. They don't mm -hmm. really think... Um, what I did for the bicentennial was a little bit easier because I wanted, I told them I wanted to tell their families' stories. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it was historical, but mm -hmm. it, it, it felt a little more personal because mm -hmm. I didn't 
and I just by chance said it that way. I mean, I could have said I'm documenting our local history, mm -hmm. but what has come out of it, and what's interesting is when I started this project in 2014, I really had not done a lot of genealogical research. I, you know, just a little. Mm -hmm. From that point on, I went into more of a professional level, and, um, but it's, but, but you can't, tell the stories without knowing the history mm -hmm. and you need the history to understand like you say what's going on and how people feel today when you hear them saying I don't believe that the money from the sale of XYZ is going to benefit my community because you're getting mm -hmm. their oral history they don't realize it but they're telling you historically mm -hmm. what they've seen happen or what they've heard has happened and so it is important but mm -hmm. I think to the average person and, and even even myself, really, until I did genealogy mm -hmm. research, history was like a subject in school. Mm -hmm. You memorized a bunch of dates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you put the history with a family history and you put the two together and you realize what was going on in those 10-year periods or five-year periods of mm -hmm. their family's life, it has a whole different meaning to them. Yeah. And so it's, it's just you have to keep asking. Mm -hmm. And you, it's amazing what people know. It's just getting them to open up and tell you because they'll think it's not important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and people don't realize that they do it every day. You know, oral histories when they're talking to their family, you're at their dinner table. Oh, your yeah. Mom tells Five about years story. ago, this is mm -hmm. what happened. Yep. Right. Or, you know, they're talking about, like, I remember the year that you were born, there was a blizzard going on. And my mom tells the story every time on my birthday. It's a tradition. But she said, the year that you were born, there was a blizzard going on. <laughs> we were stuck at a homeless shelter. And I mean, the, the people that were helping us out that didn't have anything or, you know, they can just focus on themselves. They helped me and your dad go through it, you know? And it's a beautiful thing. And that was a community, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but that was a story that my mom told us you know, and she was telling us the location, giving us the visual of the environment, the condition, our heart mm -hmm. emotion, how my dad emotions were, mm -hmm. um, you know. And what happens, and you know, even in a community, um, New Richmond is a small river town. Mm -hmm. We're located on the Ohio River. We're 20 miles east of Cincinnati. And historically, we have floods. And when I was a kid, the older men would sit on the wall mm -hmm. and they, you'd hear them down there talking about the floods. And mm -hmm. now this flood, and then, and then they'd, they'd <laughs> list us, they'd name a street or a house, and now so-and-so's house, Mr. Smith's house down there at the corner of a quarry and you know, market, now it floods at such and such feet. And then you would hear these stories over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I said to somebody, I said, I can look at the Ohio River from New Richmond and almost tell you what the flood stage is, what the river stage is, because mm -hmm. you heard it over and over and you started to know certain times of the year, it's a pool stage or it's gonna mm -hmm. be high. And you knew what high meant mm -hmm. relative to the time of year and, and certain conditions. Mm -hmm. And so our community had an oral history of that flood. But like you said, my mother used to talk about that she was born on one side of the street and I was born on the other side mm -hmm. of the street. And I never really <laughs> knew much about the street until I saw it. And then I said, okay, well, she was on this side and I was on that side, but <laughs> you're right. Um, yeah, well, my experience has been that there are certain subject matters that are challenging for people to talk about. Yeah. 
right. and uh, I happened to have had interests from a very young age uh, in, in local history and had always heard uh, stories from, again, uh, old timers, so to speak, <laughs> of cross burnings, of clan activity uh, in the community. And, and so, in trying to gain a better understanding of the details of that silence, when you try to dig deeper and understand. And as, as an Underground Railroad historian and a local historian, mm-hmm. uh, when I mention uh, the vibrant uh, free black communities in New Richmond and other places along the river, and noticing that historically these communities were at one point in time much more diverse Mm -hmm. than they are today. And so I'd get asked, what happened? Why, uh, where did the diversity go? Mm -hmm. Well, and trying to find those answers, it's murky. Mm -hmm. It's murky. Uh, Again, there's your basic, you know, economic opportunity Mm -hmm. uh, uh, description, which again, you would think should be uh, consistent somewhat in terms of percentage-wise mm-hmm. uh, of people living, you know, moving away from economically depressed areas, looking for work and opportunity elsewhere. Uh, but that percentage in many towns, including New Richmond, uh, is not uh, on par. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so what happened? Uh, are are we? still, uh, as a community, the welcoming, Mm -hmm. the diverse, uh, equal opportunity community that we brag about, that we certainly, and I believe Mm -hmm. my whole heart, that the community was before the American Civil War. Mm -hmm. Did it stay that way? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of characterizes, to some extent, the Mm -hmm. entire Ohio River Valley, including the city of Cincinnati and, and many other communities, in terms of have we lived up to the ideals that we profess? Mm-hmm. I was just getting ready to say, Greg, that's that's a pattern I think uh, that you're hitting on, and that it can be seen in the the police departments, the mm-hmm. schools, mm-hmm. the amount of uh, teachers of color, you know, police officers, city council members, um, all across the board. You know, not just the, the neighborhood residents. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a pattern uh, that's, that's all too familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you just got to ask why. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and if you think about it, um, when I speak about, you know, family history from, say, 1850 or even, say, just the 19th century in general, but one of the things that I can brag about is, you know, an abolitionist environment and and how the people were in a supportive environment. But at the same time, Ohio had the black laws. Mm -hmm. So they were to discourage black migration into the state. And so it didn't matter if a pocket of people felt strongly against slavery they may ultimately not have wanted those people, my people, to be in their neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
the other thing is, um, when I think about my family, my aunt who is now in her upper 80s, she, because my great-great-grandfather was um, the son of a slave owner's brother and a slave, and his wife was a mulatto as well, but she was free woman, and um, they didn't talk about slavery much, they, somewhat, but they didn't really tell you, you know, we knew just enough, I guess mm. that's the way I'd say it. And, and I think about some of the people that would have interacted with them from the neighborhood. Um, he was a grocer, so people would have come to his grocery store. It was a prominent store at that time. Mm -hmm. But there are women who were underground railroad operatives. There, were, there was one woman uh, that we know, a story, many stories have been written about some of these women, but this particular woman had been a sex slave, um, had gotten her freedom. Her husband's wife, was a sex slave and wasn't able to escape. I mean, so they knew things, but I think they try to shield those children, the next generation from some of those evils. And so again, some of the history mm -hmm. was not shared, mm -hmm. but other history like who your parents were or you know where you lived, mm -hmm. they would tell you that mm -hmm. um, to the degree that Mr. Roberts and I are very good friends and professional colleagues in certain ways, certain areas, and we've talked about how some of the information he has and yet some of the older members of the community don't know, don't recall, maybe they didn't want to recall, mm -hmm. you know. And so it, it is that dichotomy, um, especially with African-American history. I don't know if that's true with all ethnicities, but um, especially with ours. Um, people, and, and I can understand that, you tend not to remember the less attractive or the more painful memories. You share mm -hmm. the things that you feel are going to help in the new environment to be successful. Because it's, it's all psychological, right? You know, when it comes to trauma that happened, and, and for example, going back to the black community, I mean, there's been hundreds of years of oppression, slavery, segregation, Jim Crow law, um, going all the way to now today, I mean, last year they just passed the anti-lynching bill, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. it, to think about, you know, they've been going since back to um, the Reconstruction era, right? Until present day today that you mm -hmm. just passed a bill that stating that hate crimes are now illegal. I mean, that just shows that it's some of the reason why, and not to validate, but some of the reason why where some people are uncomfortable talking about yeah. that part so of history, you know, mm -hmm. because, and, you know, and for example, right, um, going to Emmett Till, which is, the, the bill is basically named after, mm -hmm. right, um, in his story, after that horrendous crime that happened to him, it didn't just affect him, it affected his mother, um, it affected his uncle, his family, that community itself, and when they wanted to go for justice, right, there were people who weren't safe in their homes. They weren't able to talk. They weren't able to, you know, um, testify in some cases because, you know, they were getting threats. So, unfortunately, a lot of those um, stories that could have been told was um, locked away 
was not talked about because of the fear of what could happen if those stories were told. That's right. You know, um, and, you know, yeah. The thing about Emmett Till, the unfortunate thing is, He's the face, but there were others who were lynched at that same exactly. time for other reasons, yeah. for all yeah. kinds of things. Um, before and after. Before yeah, before and after. after. It was um, actually that month that, uh, yeah. The, the thing that has always, um, I don't know if I, I'll use the word amazed, that's not exactly the right word, but intrigues me, is that there are individuals who feel they have to minimize others mm -hmm. to feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's all the isms, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. It's not just racism. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's sexism. sexism. You know, it's um, all classism. Um, and if you don't understand history right. and the root behind why you do the things you do, um, you know, I, I've been in training classes where they say, mm -hmm. you know, um, you, you're not just who you think you are. You're all those things that happened to you or you've been told about or mm -hmm. that you read about. And you've taken from all those experiences to be the person that you are, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you, every now and then someone will say, well, but I know I'm not, uh, whatever the term may mm -hmm. be, racist or whatever. But then something will happen. And if they really look inward, they realize they've absorbed some of what was on the media mm -hmm. or absorbed what they've been told. And then you have to challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't know I felt this way until this happened. Mm -hmm. And so th the thing about history is if you don't understand, you can't ever be better because those same beliefs just perpetuate themselves from one generation yeah. to another That's to right. another. And then you add on newer stuff, combined, <laughs> it can get worse. Combined with the lack of yeah. education. Um, yeah. Well, Mary, you just hit on the title of this podcast, Why History Matters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is And again, I'll just quote uh, an amazing individual uh, who, who left this earth uh, March a year ago, a senior historian at the Freedom Center in Cincinnati, mm -hmm. Carl Westmoreland. Uh, Carl would say that, you know, you cannot change this history. It's done. You or I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, yes, our ancestors uh, did in some way, shape, or form. And regardless on what side your ancestors were involved, uh, you, can, you can decide. Mm -hmm. You can decide to be ashamed, mm -hmm. or you can decide to be proud, mm -hmm. or you can decide and what I suggest, and what Carl always suggested, to learn from mm -hmm. it and learn how to treat our fellow human beings mm -hmm. better than what we have historically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you look at children, they can be on a playground. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if there's five boys and one girl or four, five girls and one boy. All they know is there's a kid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they start playing because there's a kid. Yeah. They don't care what nationality they are. Mm -hmm. They don't even care if they're the little one and everybody else is bigger or one's big and they're all young. Um, they just want to play until they get a certain age. Mm -hmm. And then they look at each other differently and they interact with each other differently. You aren't born <laughs> to hate. single out or hate mm -hmm. or dislike 
because of whatever the color of someone's skin, the color of their hair, um, their gender. Um, it's taught. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. My my, uh, my mom always told me that no one wasn't born evil. It was something that was taught. It was something that was probably part of their environment and something that was part of Mm -hmm. the way they were raised up, their peers, their family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, going, going back to, you know, why this history matters. It's history is it's supposed to be a tool to help us be educated, to learn from the mistakes and progress. Mm-hmm. So when you hear things about banning books or taking away courses or people say, well, I just don't feel comfortable. That has nothing to do to me. When you say that, you're trying to erase something that could have mm-hmm. been taught to <clears throat> make our community, our nation, a better place. I have a yeah. real <clears throat> personal mm-hmm complaint, I guess is the word. When I hear someone say that the parents will teach their children, Mm. the one thing I grew up believing was the better educated you were, the more open-minded you would likely be. Mm -hmm. It's not a given, but you're getting all these different points of view, and so then you're choosing the path and the direction and Mm -hmm. the words versus you only know what you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it, 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 it's just very interesting that at this point in time, after all these years and with more people being educated, that there is now a movement, so to speak. And it feels like a movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, almost very specific movement mm-hmm. to limit mm-hmm. the objective spread of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, all I can think about is if you can only be as good as what your parents teach you, mm-hmm. what, a, what a shame, what a waste. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, when there's all this wealth of information, mm-hmm. um, you know, even the strategies of the generals in the war. Mm-hmm. You know, I may not really side with one side, <clears throat> but they had strategies. Mm-hmm. It might be good to understand what their strategies were right. mm-hmm. and when they did and did not work versus I learned a bunch of dates and how many people died. What I really want to know is how they got to where they were and mm-hmm. why were they so driven and then what did they do to try to keep or remove something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am really uh, disappointed mm-hmm. with this movement of, you know, I'll I'll teach my kids what mm-hmm. they need to know. It's very scary. Yeah. yeah. I want to share something uh, mm-hmm. that happened to me recently actually okay. teaching here. Yeah, go ahead. And um, <clears throat> I just did like a, a show of hands in class mm-hmm. uh, on the same exact floor. And majority of my students, and I have 40 students in my course this uh-huh. year, um, majority of them cannot express anything prior knowledge about Dr. Martin Luther King. And to me, that is, he's the poster. Fairly recent. Fairly recent. Recent. He's the poster child of, you know, the uh, Mm go-to civil rights example. Mm -hmm. It's recent. And, uh, you know, you you mentioned banning books. Mm -hmm. And uh, they banned a book about Ruby Bridges. Yeah. I Um, I mean, oh my gosh. She's the same age as my grandmother. Exactly. You know? know? And I'm like, that's, 
very recent, mm -hmm. you know? And it's, it's just, it really, uh, like, strikes me to my core because mm -hmm. it's like, that's my whole existence. That's, that's my purpose in <laughs> yeah. life is to, be, to, to educate and to um, inspire and to just, you know, teach, teach about the past and, and, and why it is so important. Mm -hmm. And it's I, like I just the Holocaust. Think, there are yeah. people who don't know, young people, mm -hmm. what that is or even believe it happened. Right. We were in a war. <laughs> yeah. We were in a war because we felt it was so wrong. Well, um, well, once again, history, you can look at societies that restricted mm -hmm. uh, right. free speech, mm -hmm. banned books, tried to silence people with different opinions. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and history is fraught with examples yeah. of, of those. And you mentioned one. And, and there are many, many others that I think most people uh, in this country, if they don't, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of those societies is us. Well, we yeah. Need, we and need. we don't want to be one of those societies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just what I'm saying. And, and it's, unfortunately, it's sad because we went to war to stop things to happen. But Bad then here we happen. are mm -hmm. doing the same thing, or at least similar oh, to yeah. Of what the enemies were fighting against, yeah, you know, we're not finished. And and you know, and let's be real. Let's have reality check. Um, the Nazi Party, the way they did their eugenics, was inspired by us, mm -hmm. by American eugenic scientists. So I mean, history loves to repeat itself. Mm -hmm. People learn from different places, but it it didn't. It wasn't born there. It mm -hmm. was it was taught. And when you restrict information from people right? well and yeah. so often you know again you have someone who's trying to minimize somebody else mm -hmm. or some group and whatever they can do to hold them down and I saw a kids movie many years ago mm -hmm. called a bug's life yeah <laughs> and, <then laughs> and you know yeah. it was a very interesting little story you had all those ants, ants and a handful of grand grasshoppers. Mm -hmm. And one, one ant decided to stand up. He got beat up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But at the end, they realized, wait a minute, there, are, there is power in numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, we may not be physically as strong, but, but it's an interesting story mm -hmm. about a group that chose to tell a story to the others mm -hmm. and convince them that they were less than and they bought into that mm -hmm. and so again to me that's some history mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and and there was some oral history yeah. because the queen told them you know we're only the ants and we have to do this and this is how it works mm -hmm. this is what we're supposed to do and then they leave us alone and so uh, Sometimes oral history is good, but sometimes you need to think differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's always important to, like, it, history always progress. It's, it's never just, like, stagnant, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you always learn something 
new every day. So going back to, you know, the Bugs like story, you know, it was a new ant. He wasn't as old as the queen, but he had went and explored, met new bugs, mm-hmm. and learned about their mm-hmm. talents. You know, <laughs> he brought them back. I think I, I about it a lot because, you know, I mean, well, there are a lot of children's books that I've read yeah. that I think about a lot. But, but that particular one, yeah. uh, again, they had been taught, mm-hmm. this is what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fall in line, follow instructions, mm-hmm. do it, do it, do it. And they all did it mm-hmm. until one said, but why should we do yeah. this? Yeah. And he was also an inventor. Yeah. Remember, mm-hmm. he wasn't just someone who thought about things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it was, yes. <laughs> this discussion has gone in an interesting. It, well, but, <laughs> if you, but, but if you think about it, if you think about it, um, African-Americans were brought here as slaves. Mm -hmm. They were stripped of their language. They were stripped of their identity. Mm -hmm. They were stripped of their history Mm -hmm. over time. Now, initially, there was probably some oral history going on, but when you're you're, uh, not allowed to use your native language Mm -hmm. and um, when you show uh, any kind of... um, hint of being a proud person mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's beat out of you in various ways mm-hmm. um, so within a few generations that history was lost oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and they became very compliant mm-hmm. some of them mm-hmm. right so again when I when I hear think of the bugs life yeah. I, I'm thinking of yeah. some of the That's slaves right. on those plantations you know you had a few that said wait a minute yeah. And they were beat down. They were killed. They were, yeah. you know, physically brutalized in lots of ways. But um, it, it just shows you what can be done. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know history, it can happen again. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there was an organization that I worked for at one point, And they said that some of what we're seeing in this particular mm-hmm. year, the last four to five, mm-hmm. ten years, uh, was going to start to happen mm-hmm. because the white race was not going to be the primary race anymore. Mm-hmm. With all of the immigrants coming in, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, the pie's only so big. Mm-hmm. And now it's going to be economic as well mm-hmm. as like preferences. Right. Mm-hmm. But the pie's only so big. Mm-hmm. And your piece is going to be smaller because there's going to be a whole lot of other people that need a piece of that yeah. pie. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me. It is disappointing, but it doesn't surprise me uh, when I see some of the things that occur today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But for this country, uh, even though when we do a deep analysis of the Founding Fathers and they didn't always live up to the ideals that they, wrote. That they professed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they were stated as basic fundamental principles directed from a higher power. <laughs> but, but and, and I mean, I don't mean to be critical of, well, I'm going to be critical, but I don't mean to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, our founding fathers were concerned about themselves. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They, they Some were, things never change. Yeah, mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily concerned about the other guy. No, that life passed down we're here. We want freedom. We want these freedoms, and and we're going to. This is our society, and this is how we're going to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, 
but they brought with them their biases and their beliefs from their home countries too. Even though they were trying to escape some of those same things, Mm -hmm. they brought it with them that was deeply embedded. That's what they'd been taught. There's a a local, there's an enrichment story here Mm -hmm. that often is overlooked. And uh, one of those stories includes the story of James Gillespie Burney, uh, former slaveholder turned abolitionist who decided he would fight slavery uh, by using the law, using the words and the Declaration Mm -hmm. and in the U.S. Constitution uh, to, uh, again, not just on moral principles, but on legal principles. He was was an attorney. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was seeking a place to publish his anti-slavery newspaper, The Philanthropist. Mm -hmm. He was threatened with his life in his hometown of Danville, Kentucky. He said, well, I'll just go north of the river to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They threatened to kill him there. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so where did he land? New Richmond, Ohio. He was promised protection. And in the process of gaining that protection, uh, anywhere from 70 to 77, it was over 70 people, signed a petition. They said, Mr. Bernie, if you bring that press to New Richmond, we will form a, a vigilance committee group of vigilantes to protect you from pro-slavery mobs here in New Richmond. Mm. Now, did all those people sign up because they were anti-slavery? No, they did not. They may have been on the fence. They may have even been pro-slavery. But many of those people, it's documented in the history of Dr. John Rogers, who was one of the people that brought and financed Mm -hmm. Bernie Cummings in New Richmond. Mm said that most of the people who signed that petition believed that James Gillespie Burney had every right under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution Mm -hmm. to publish his anti-slavery views in this country. Mm -hmm. And they were appalled that he would receive death threats Mm -hmm. in other places just for writing and speaking what he believed in. And so, again, following fundamental principles and not just the whims of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, you know, like, it, like we go back to, history does repeat itself. And mm-hmm. whether or not, what should we do as a community, as a country, to how we want to build the next generation. Do we want to keep following what we're doing now or do we want to progress and bring better outlets for the future generation to have um, opportunities to learn? Um, and, and going back to, you know, difficult parts of history, you know, that's still at the end of the day is history. Mm-hmm. Um, and the choice is, you know, for us, whether or not do we want to preserve and keep that history too, because that's a conversation that, you know, for example, going back to slavery, or not even just slavery, we can talk about the Jim Crow era, right? Mm -hmm. We can talk about that. Uh, That history, it's actually still kind of recent, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's some people that still question about like, well, my kid is too young to learn about that history, but when when will they learn about that history, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's the downside of your parents telling you when and what. That's right. Um, you know, your readiness is an individual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, there are a lot of ways to present um, 
the stories, the history. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't talk to um, a five or six-year-old like I'm talking to the people in this room mm-hmm. about some of the things that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. But I can use a story like A Bug's Life, or mm-hmm. I can use a story mm-hmm. like The Three Little Pigs. And I said to somebody once whose kids were mooching, and I said, you know, there was a story about the three little pigs, and one day the mom said, it's time for you to go out and make your way into the world. And she said, I don't remember that. I said, read the story again. She told him that. Your, your position in life is not to take care of your kids mm-hmm. for the rest of their life. It's to get them to a place to where they're able to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So, again, history can be broken down, and it, you can use um, mm-hmm. an analogy that would work for small children. You mm-hmm. see them on the playground. Right. You'll know immediately who the leaders are because somebody's mm-hmm. going to take charge. Okay, mm-hmm. One child is always going to take the lead. You, you <laughs> just watch. Just sit there and watch. And, and, and the others will start following. They'll fall in line, mm-hmm. right? Because that person is either such a bully or they're just such a strong influencer. But the other kids will just kind of back off because. Mm-hmm. So there's a lesson there. You know, you can talk about whoever, Hitler, Napoleon, whoever you want to talk about, mm-hmm. and in a way that those children can learn and, and get an example of what to and not to do. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing is, you know, as a society, both globally and, mm-hmm. and in each country, and we all say that, you know, we want peace and love and all these things, and really we all do want the same things. Mm-hmm. But there's always this faction. It could be that absolute monarchy that mm-hmm. decides that they like that power and they don't want to give it up. Mm-hmm. Or it could be just, you know, there's going to always be those people who want mo- the most. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but if you don't introduce the history as soon as you can in a way that people can understand, in a way it's not threatening, mm-hmm. because like you said, what happened two or three hundred years ago, the people in this room or in our community did not do. Right. But we need to understand to understand where we are today and how we got here mm-hmm. because those beliefs have driven a lot of decisions that have caused us to have or not have the society that we'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate on having workshops where there are some educators that probably don't know how to interpret the history well because, and I think that that kind of always draw back to our education system and it's just not at the homes, but like the way how some kids interpret history, that's what matters too, right? And you know, the things that they probably heard from school, like I remember in grade school when we talked about, you know, history and going down to uh, the Civil War, they, they were explaining it to us like, oh, it was just an economical battle. You know, the South didn't like what the North want, the North didn't like, but they never hardly mentioned, you know, slavery, or if they did, they made it seem as it was just a little blip in history, I, you know? I, I think that, uh, that's What you not... call whitewashing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, you know, just... <laughs> You know, um, little side note. Little side note. It's terminology. It it goes back to what we've said. We've all said it in different ways, and but the issue is, all history 
is American history. That's mm-hmm. right. All history is global and world history. Mm-hmm. You know, you focus on what you want. If you live in the U.S. versus in, say, France, maybe you focus on certain world history events. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, black history, mm-hmm. Native American history, um, the uh, Irish American, Italian American, mm-hmm. all of the things that affected those ethnic communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pandemic, the flu of uh, 1918. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember ever hearing about that until we had a pandemic yeah. Yeah. in 2020. Now, I'm sure I heard it someplace, but I never heard much about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I mean, there were some learnings from that flu we should have encapsulated. Right. We should have, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but you have to want to. You have to want to know, and you have to want to share it. And if if it's, in your opinion, better that others don't know it, they only know the history I'm going to tell them. Mm-hmm. Then and and I'm, as I the older I get and the more I realize even the history that we teach in our schools in certain segments of the country mm-hmm. versus the other segment of the country is very different. It's some still, some uh, say the Civil War was a tie. Uh, right. <laughs> and they chose to just stop. It's and others, ready, yeah. so, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, even looking at recent um, laws might suggest that even states like Ohio and, and northern states are headed in that direction. Well, they call us a swing state. Mm. Like, we're like not a swing state. state. <laughs> yeah. now, I don't want to go into politics. Right. Um, but, but the thing is, we've yeah. become extremely conservative. Uh-huh. Um, and conservative to me is, a, is an interesting choice of words. words. Because yeah. I have friends who are fiscally, financially conservative. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to... Um, uh, societal norms Mm -hmm. they're a lot more progressive Um, and so again I I have friends who are on both sides of the aisle Mm -hmm. and and I have interesting discussions with Mm -hmm. them from time to time. The terms liberal and conservative have Mm -hmm. been so misconstrued and and again it's always this attempt again it's you go to back to history to pigeonhole people. Right and to demonize. I I mean you know I I'm a local politician. I never thought I'd be a politician. I call myself just giving back. But now that I'm on my third term of council, I I think I'm picking up some of the norms of being a politician. But I was I was quite intrigued during the last campaign uh, two years ago by some of the choices of words that people used. Now, I've lived in my community. My family's been there since the 1850s. This mm-hmm. is my hometown. Uh, I've had people say, I didn't know you're such a blue blood. I mean, I just, it's my hometown. I'll do just about anything legally to, to make it <laughs> successful. Yeah. Um, but there were a few people who tried to demonize me, so to speak. And, and you know, radical this and this and this. I won't say all the words. And they weren't, they weren't like bad words, but they were very strong words. Mm-hmm. And I laughed about it because I said anybody who knows me would say, what? And so, you know, three different times I've run, Mm -hmm. um, the first two campaigns were pretty mellow. The third one was kind of in your face. And and it's just you think in a small community, if people try that, Mm -hmm. and then you see how that bubbles up into state, 
and federal mm-hmm. uh, offices. And, and uh, I, I mean, it, it's just the choice of words, and words do matter. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I don't care what people say. You know, when you try to label somebody or, and, and you, there's certain words that you can use and it will pigeonhole that person. Um, and you can do that with races of people or mm-hmm. groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that with Christian or non-Christian people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, but words do matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we've seen a shift here, and at least in my lifetime, in terms of, again, you, know, you brought up politics, so we'll, well, I'm going to go there. <laughs> in that, in that, uh, politicians, I think, uh, again, <laughs> this is going to be probably too broad of a statement, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, again, speaking of words, uh, it was widely held that an elected official was what we would call a public servant. Mm. Meaning that once you have won an election and are elected into a public office, you represent the people who the people, voted for you not and yourself. the people who did, did not, not vote, vote for you. you. Right, mm-hmm. and not okay. yourself. You, you yeah. are to, to take all of those views and opinions and figure out a way, given what you have resource-wise. And now yeah. I believe yeah. Most politicians consider themselves now they're the anointed ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's and a, I've observed this personally. Uh, present company, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not included, is that many politicians, once they become elected, I think they believe that their IQ went up a hundred points, <laughs> and that they are now smarter than everybody else, not just the people who elected them, but, but anybody, certainly the people yeah. who, who did not vote for them. Yeah. Now they're smarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, that is a mindset that is very problematic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's, yeah, it's problematic and lots of, and again, that goes back to the history. When you're in charge, you can choose what you filter down to people. Mm-hmm. And you can be very transparent mm-hmm. or you can be very storytelling yeah well when i got yeah. into local government i became my iq went down went down 100 points <laughs> <laughs> i became much dumber and i had a lot of people uh, in the community including my own family told me how stupid i was to be working well, in government well the thing i've learned about being you can't please all the people and so um you know and you can't have thin skin um, mm. But but you can be honest mm-hmm. and you can be as transparent as possible. There are times when you're looking at information and it's not ready to be shared. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, um, you know, you work for the people. Yes. Mm-hmm. They don't work for you. Yes. You work for them. And you work for all the people. And all, all the people. people. Mm-hmm. And even when decisions are not what everyone wants, you ought to be able to explain uh, in a way and, and principle-based uh, why you did what you did. Um, not everyone will be happy with you, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but you should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, you know, going back to, uh, like, let's give it an example. Let's say that you know, half of the country just don't want to go back to school. They want to do homeschooling, mm-hmm. you know, as, a community outreach or educational outreach, right? Like when we work with nonprofits, with museums, with uh, historical sites, with like their educational center, how can we set up workshop to preserve oral history to continue, right? Um, because 
over time, and I, you know, I, history like to repeat itself. It's a scary thing. And if, mm -hmm. when it comes to emergency cases, you know, we want to make sure we get important history jotted down, you mm -hmm. know. So what are some good ideas what we can do as like a community in your local community where we can preserve those histories in either a workshop or doing a um, presentation event on people that are interested, doing campaigns, what we can do as a community to set those things up to preserve the local history, right? I think podcasts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, that's, get, get, get yeah, more educated yeah. folks like yourself to uh, again mm -hmm. talk to people. Mm -hmm. Give them, give them a forum to talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, as, as we've seen with the growth of social media, you know, everyone likes their ten seconds of fame. Huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You never know what what conversation you'll have that will plant a seed mm -hmm. and yeah. that will. Uh, you know, kind of keep that process going of educating people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's 2023. This mm -hmm. I never thought I would do anything like this. This is my first time, mm -hmm. you know, really speaking into a microphone. But that's the direction that everything's mm -hmm. headed in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, however we can get that out to people, that's how right. we do it. it. Across various platforms. It's meet them where they are. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I still like hard copy books. Me too. Uh, I, don't, I, don't know. I like to hold the book. Yeah. There's something about it, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, I like to hold the newspaper. Mm -hmm. But I have an IT undergrad. I'm very capable of reading it online, but I just personally like to hold it. Right. Um, but I, I know that there's not one source, one media, one avenue that's going to reach. And, you know, we've had a couple of interesting things that have happened mm -hmm. in my town. Um, where we had a, recently had an author who came in, and um, I was happy that the parking lot was full at the library. Mm -hmm. But I was, in an ideal world, we'd had twice as many people. But mm -hmm. again, I was still happy that we had the number of people we did. And there was some very interesting, intriguing, passionate discussion, very good discussion. Mm -hmm. And and I thought, wow, we need to have a um, uh, follow-up and another no. follow-up mm -hmm. because and then they were like more people should have been here and how do we get the word out yeah. and so podcasts seem to be right now mm -hmm. the thing um, but I you know again lunch and learns um, yeah. mm -hmm. situations where people can um, can come there are there is a group of people who like to do face-to-face -face meetings mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's anything like it um, Zoom is close, but it's not quite the same. Right. Where you have the two-way conversation. Podcast, I think the advantage, um, similar to email too, is that you can say what you want to say and people aren't looking at you. Mm -hmm. So they hear your name maybe, or maybe they only get your first mm -hmm. name, and you may say what you really feel, and then that engages others. Yeah. But um, I hope that we can find as many ways as possible to spread the word. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think um, Greg and I have, Mr. Roberts and I have talked before about in conversations where you know maybe mm -hmm. I've done a presentation or he has, and people say, "What does abolitionism look like today?" Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's um, 
it's the, exactly what we're talking about, having these open forums where people talk mm-hmm. and yeah. their thoughts are challenged, hopefully in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna, some people are not gonna feel happy be happy if their idea is not considered the right yeah, well, one. Well, talking right. is the easy part. Yeah. But it's the, the hard part here. is the listening. Right. Yeah. Mm, right. Yeah. Because all too often, you know, people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different races, different religions, they just continue to talk past one another. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so. not listening and seeing another person's perspective, you know, respecting their experience, respecting their viewpoint on things. Uh, that your experience, you, you know, you can say walk a, walk a mile another person, you can't do that. You can't do that. Can't do that. And, and unless you yeah. have effective facilitators. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. that's the other thing. It's like um, we, we had, a, we had a, an author who came, and the whole idea was to showcase her book. Um, and there was quite a, a bit about New Richmond, but there was mm-hmm. a woman who had lived in Virginia and ultimately came to New Richmond. Um, and so... Uh, it was intriguing from that respect, but then uh, Mr. Roberts and I had also been engaged with this author off and on before the book was written. But some of the conversations that arose from her presentation, um, it was very, it was very good. I mean, people felt very passionate about certain things, and you know, I, I don't know that if we did it every month. Because, you know, we'd get a different forum. You know, I've had discussions with people, and they were hesitant to talk. Mm -hmm. And then others were, couldn't get them to stop. (laughs) The place was getting ready to close, and there were still people wanting to. So, but but what's important is, you're right, not just let them talk, Mm -hmm. is to get them to listen, have that level of facilitation Mm -hmm. where you're saying to someone, you don't look happy right now. Mm-hmm. What what about this conversation makes you feel uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. And and giving them a safe environment to say, yeah. you know, because it, unless everyone feels their opinion and their belief is okay, I may not like it, but you are entitled to it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. unless that environment is there, mm-hmm. then they just sit there and they didn't absorb anything. Right. And and what you hope is that some percentage. You know, in an ideal world, everybody, but we know that won't happen. But if you can even get some 25% or so to come in and learn something new mm. and use that in a mm. positive way, I know it's a big order, but yeah. I mean, I always strive for that, that hope somehow in a conversation, somebody heard something that they never thought about before and right. it'll make them think differently. I always think if it's just a few people, it's still better than none. Yeah. Mm small victory success Um, and something that I always think about is like it's going to be learning these touchy subjects it's going to be an emotional process for everybody and people have different paces and uh, you know for instance doing my own genealogy it it it, and I'm interracial and I could do my my white side and my black side, mm-hmm. but when I do my black side, um, I hit these roadblocks that I don't hit mm-hmm. on my white side. Mm-hmm. And to me, just in, internally, and in learning how to do the mm-hmm. research and stuff like that, I mean, it was such an emo- emotional process of not being able to find out these answers when I can find them out so easily on, on, so yeah. easily on the other side. So. Yeah. 
I think everybody could kind of relate to that, you know, not just doing research, but just hearing about these things. Mm -hmm. It may be the first time that you've ever considered these things. Absolutely. um, And, you know, it's always go back to the privilege of, I mean, there's privilege in every other concept, including Mm -hmm. in history where people can find their genealogy. Like a Mm -hmm. a lot of... Unfortunately, there are some communities that don't realize that um, for ethnic groups that were affected when it comes to uh, slavery, segregation, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, a lot of that history was blocked for yeah. them, that was taken away, that was stripped from them. Mm-hmm. And they were so used to like just focus on work, making money to provide for their family where they didn't have yeah. the time to settle down right. and have a conversation and talk about like hey do you remember this i don't remember you know like just I having we, those we take for granted yeah. that there were mm-hmm. generations mm-hmm. of you know generations of people that lived their entire life enslaved yes. and they were assets <laughs> so there were yeah. no yeah. what you think of as legal documents mm-hmm. there were no birth certificates yeah. right. there was mm-hmm. no death certificate yeah. There might have been a bill of sale, but mm-hmm. maybe didn't have their name on it. Mm-hmm. Pictures. They may yeah. only have had a first name and not a last name. Mm-hmm. Um, that they might have been moved from one plantation to another to another, mm-hmm. and maybe the one they like the most or the last one is the name they um, started to go by, but... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, don't try to figure out where and, your and name so, comes from. Right? And so, you know, mm-hmm. when I when I research um, for families that are, say, German heritage or um, European in general, mm-hmm. um, I can usually go back easily to oh, the seventeen, sixteen hundreds. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I look at my own father's side. Um, I know a lot about his great, well, my great-great-grandfather, and I know where he's from because he talked about who his father was and that Mm -hmm. he knew he was a slave, but he knew he was treated differently. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that he was smart enough, educated enough, and had the money to start a store in itself corroborates that that he probably was treated differently and then knowing where he was from and i can trace you know Mm -hmm. um but his mother his wife rather was a slave and so i know nothing about her and i probably will never know nothing about her other than i did find the will where the slaves were some were given to other family members Mm -hmm. um but I'll probably never, it's just going to be a roadblock I'll never be able to do. Um, Now, on my mother's side, um, my great-great-grandfather was a slave until he was a young boy. And I could find out uh, his wife. um, I could go back to the 1700s, which I found very interesting, Mm, but I was able to do that. But that's not true. And then I have clients who um, are American Indian Mm -hmm. and there's even less information because they were totally discounted. See, at least with African-Americans, we were assets. So there's some records, not a lot, but there's some records. Um, But for the American Indians... We didn't embrace that oral history. No, we did not. And and so, um, you know, I think we just keep trying. You you know, I don't ever try to make anyone feel less than. Um, 
I know what it feels like. I try not to do that. <laughs> um, and uh, but but even when I'm given presentations, right. you know, I, I just say I'm going to talk very objectively about findings. And I recognize that no one in this room had yeah. anything to do with whatever I'm talking about. What you can do, though, is learn from it and figure out how to uh, educate others that they can learn from it. Yeah. Um, and then we, we, you know, it's it's easy to to fail to realize that even the white race mm -hmm. is a creation of multiple ethnicities from Europe right. that has been all lumped together right. mm -hmm. to the point where even the average white person doesn't know their heritage. Well, and, and I had might, a conversation like that yeah. this yeah. morning. I think something totally different yeah. about it because they've... Um, just assimilated that all into becoming white, but for why? For that racial hierarchy that we've created right, in America. Right, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's like a difference between. Nobody's exempt. You know, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's like a difference between you know when they clump their group versus how we clump our group. Mm -hmm. We clump our group because we're trying to find out who we are mm -hmm. and, and and embrace that uh, identity that was taken from our ancestors many right. years ago split up and, the family and splitting up the families you know mm -hmm. and, and and it's unfortunately we, we have to find a way to communicate that um in the larger platform the larger audience because it's misconstrued mm -hmm. you know comparison of like for example like how some people see the black panther party as a hateful group mm -hmm. but you know who is to blame on that communication? Because on our end, we see them as people that were helping yeah. their local communities, giving them WIC, providing um, protection for families that were um, were victims. Yeah, you know. Or you got to start from the bottom because they've never heard of the Black Panther <laughs> Party. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know? and you know, again, I remember what I heard of the Black Panthers when I was a lot younger, and I yep. know how I feel about the Black Panthers today. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, I've been labeled radical, so. <laughs> I'll attest. She is. Got the Raider Panther hat. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, those who know history mm -hmm. must always strive to make sure others know history because there is a contingent um, that would limit what others learn. Mm. Well, I, again, I'll go back and uh, uh, another thing that uh, that I learned uh, uh, from Mr. Westmoreland mm -hmm. and and talking about the Underground Railroad and enslavement and, and the fact that it was uh, again as a percentage the folks uh, that became freedom seekers. Mm -hmm and had the courage to take that first step away from enslavement, they were a relatively small minority. Mm -hmm. And Carl would say that, that it didn't start with that physical first step toward freedom. It started with the knowledge, mm -hmm. the hope that there was even a possibility mm -hmm. to be free. Mm -hmm because most people who were enslaved were hopeless. Mm. And, and there's such a huge lesson there mm. that as long as there's hope, 
these goals can be attained. It's a powerful thing. It's yes. a powerful thing. And you know, it started with one person, and then that one person, when they see that hope, they spread it around, they start talking to people, and that kind of grows the hope in that community. To yeah. have to have nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. Take that first step. Yeah. Yep. Any last words for anybody? You know, you like to share an announcement into your communities, any updates of current events? Yeah, Dr. Hackett's uh, lurking outside the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say that I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I really enjoyed meeting you, Mary, and seeing you again, Greg. And um, I really admire what you both do out in the New Richmond community. Thank you. And um, Jamie, thank you so much for, for having me. Um, I would love to perhaps do something similar in the future. Uh, Absolutely. Um, the goal of this podcast is to not only talk about um, current discussions, but also bring enlightenment in local communities mm -hmm. and bringing their history and having them have the opportunity to, to explain why their history matters. I would like to thank all my amazing speakers today, Miss Mary Allen, Mr. Cordell George, and Mr. Greg Roberts for coming to giving us this experience today of learning about their history what's going on and how we can better our local communities thank you again and I hope everyone have a wonderful time that's a wrap that's a wrap thank you <laughs> that's great we need one of that yeah <laughs>